0: Hello! Welcome to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. No! We take part ourselves.
1: Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher.
0: And I'm Carrie Poppy, and I almost forgot what the things are... (laughs) That we investigate as I was saying them
1: It's funny, there's like a certain cadence When we're doing the introduction Whenever someone asks me to quickly summarize the podcast I think, oh, I can just mention that phrase But I can't do it conversationally It's like a song, like I have to kind of sing it Like, hold on, let me play this in my head (laughs) And I'm (laughs) Ross Blotcher No, that's too far
0: They're like, oh, what's your podcast about? And you go, hello
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how that works well, uh, now that we've scared. figured out what we're doing and what we talk about, <laughs> we're, we're coming back to what has become our favorite topic, which is Bob Larson and the International School of Exorcism. Enough.
0: You'd think by this point, Bob Larson would have become aware of us making this very lengthy scene. <laughs> serious about him
1: you would think so but he hasn't and that's not an invitation don't take it upon yourself yeah we've got things going so uh you know just let the process play out
0: yeah no no word from bob i can still access my student portal
1: Same here. Every time I log in, I wonder if it's going to disappear. Every time I call them, I wonder if they're going to give me a spirit of rejection.
0: Yeah, but here we are.
1: One thing I noticed this week is that with Wim Hof, I would refer to his various teachings and products as Wim Mm Hofery. It occurred to me that in this situation, this would be Bob Larceny. Which I kind of like.
0: <laughs> I like it. So, I like it. What is larceny? Theft? Yeah. Okay.
1: Theft of personal property.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So we've come to bring you more Bob larceny.
0: And, well, that's interesting because the demons are stealing the space in your hotel.
1: Mm. They're mm-hmm. committing a
0: certain sort of larceny, you know?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Ross.
1: I'm with you. So so last time we covered some weighty topics, and this time we're going to cover some much, no, also weighty topics.
0: Yeah, more very serious stuff that Bob is dealing with, not as well as he maybe could.
1: The body, the soul, and the spirit might not be tripartite. But this series is at least these three courses we're going to talk about today because they are three parts of the psychological aspects of deliverance.
0: Yes. So if you don't want to hear more blundered psychology, Hmm. this is not the episode for you because he's going to be giving us a lot of that and then we're going to try our best to disentangle it.
1: And clearly he considers this an important issue in as much as he's given over a third of the exorcist level to talking about this. So again, we're in this advanced level of his International School of Exorcism course. And yeah, most of these presentations are about Psychology
0: and uh, certainly he's going to give us very clear instructions. He's not just going to tell us what these disorders um, and states of mind are, but also help us distinguish between those and having demons. With very clear instructions. Just kidding. He's not going to do that at all. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, when when we signed up for this course, the way I pictured it was that eventually we would end up in a space where he would be maybe performing an exorcism live or maybe Mm -hmm. doing sort of a a replay or showing dramatic footage from all of his, you know, many hours and many recorded exorcisms saying, look, here's what I said here and this is why I said it and this is what you can do when they react this way, which, note to Bob, that would be a way more interesting course than (laughs) you talking to the camera all the time. Yeah,
0: don't just go and do these interesting things and then sit down and tell us about it. That's not good media. Right. You want to see it actually play out.
2: Well,
1: and even instruction. You know, if you would tie any one of these principles to, okay, and here's an example of where I did it. And this is why I responded this way and not that way. But here's what happens if you do respond. You know, that would have been, I think, way more interesting. And I always thought we were going to get there. Each time mm-hmm. I thought, oh, maybe it'll be in the warrior level. No, more just kind of. You talking to the camera at your lectern with the dark red splotchy background? Okay. Uh, Maybe in the exorcist level. Nope. We've gotten to the end now and we can say it is just Bob talking to the camera.
0: And it's all very conceptual.
1: Yes. Right. With a lot of things that are clearly important distinctions that need to be made that are just sort of eh, left to you. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, very few personal stories at all. I I don't I can't think of any time I've heard him say something like, "Well, one time there was this guy who blank." it's right. All just sort of yeah, general rules, and then exceptions to the rules, and then provisos to those exceptions. Yeah, but
1: pretty rare that he'll actually give that personal experience vibe, which is strange because yeah. he's cast out over thirty thousand demons.
0: Yeah, you'd think he'd have some stories built up. And in his books, there are. Mm-hmm. The, the books are littered with those kinds of stories. I wonder if he decided to change tactics there or very, wanted the school to here. feel very different. Or Yeah,
1: anyway. maybe. Well, anyway.
0: Well, anyway.
1: Yeah, so we're on unit four. If you want to turn there in your books.
0: Level three, course four, which is called Psychological Aspects of Deliverance, part one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
0: Oh, Bob! We're I starting love you. with
1: episode four, just like Star Wars.
0: Oh, I understand that one. Oh, good. Hey! All right. So Star he. Star wants- Wait, catch this. Star Wars: A New Hope.
1: Whoa! Episode four. Well done. You remember that from Thank when we watched you. it? I'm impressed.
0: I think I knew that already. But- okay. But yeah, I retained that. I also remember there were people in sand.
1: That's right. They write single file to hide their numbers
0: don't remember that at all
1: aka tuscan raiders or sand people which just sounds wrong so anyways continue
0: yeah um okay so bob starts off by telling us it is absolutely critical that every individual interested in becoming a minister of deliverance and exorcism mm-hmm. have at least a cursory knowledge of the psychology of human behavior
1: yeah and he admits and this is kind of interesting because he says exorcism is not therapy but mm-hmm. it's important to know about these concepts it's Which I I agree, yes, we should. And I agree, exorcism is not therapy, but I'm just surprised that he would admit that.
0: Oh, interesting. I think, uh, yeah, That's that might just a... even be a legal distinction in his mind, yeah. little CYA. Like, if he would. yeah,
1: he'll say it's inner healing, but let's not call it therapy so I can avoid potential. Yeah, I think you're exactly right.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Board of Behavioral Health coming and knocking on my door. Mm-hmm. But he does, he does nod to psychology, says modern psychology has a lot to offer us. It'll help us understand how the mind works. Mm-hmm. And also- This was an interesting point. Also, some of the people who come to you as an exorcist may have already had therapy. Right. And so if they say to you, I was diagnosed with such and such, say depression, you want to have a working knowledge of what they're talking about and what kind of things their therapist may have already said to them.
1: And on this level, I'll give Bob credit at least for taking those diagnoses seriously, responding to them, not trying to counteract them. Uh, At least he pays lip service to that.
0: Yeah, in, in this moment anyway.
1: And of course, he does... Prefer Christian counselors. So he thinks that uh, it's yes. best if you find someone who, sure, they understand these secular models, but they're also holding scripture as very important to the process.
0: Right. And yeah, it always just seems like covering your ass to me. Who knows? So, yeah, he tells us, don't say you're a therapist if you're not a licensed one. Good. (laughs) Good good advice for everyone.
1: Very good, Dr. Larson. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't pull a Dr. Jeff from Rhythmia. And he tells us to temper the expectations a little bit of the people who come to us. They might come wanting a quick fix.
2: Mm -hmm. um,
0: And, like, if they've suffered from a lifetime of trauma... You're not going to do some magic prayer that suddenly makes all of that go away and, you know, now they're completely symptom free. That's not going to happen. So you want to emphasize the long haul. This, uh, oh boy, depending on the severity of your possession, you might need a series of exorcisms mm-hmm. um, because the layers of your trauma are like an onion.
1: Sure. Like Shrek. (laughs) Sure. Right. I can kind of take that two different ways. One is, okay, yeah, that's good. You don't want to promise the drive-through fix. But also, isn't it convenient when someone needs to come to you for a long time and pay money for your services? (laughs)
0: For sure. For sure. And also, I suspect... You don't have a long-term fix either.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the psychologist joke is that they're always trying to get you on the hook and get you to come back for more and more mm-hmm. sessions. But at least they have evidence-based modalities mm-hmm. Unless you're side. talking
0: about uh, Freudian psychotherapy. But
1: Oh, goodness. We'll get to but Freud.
0: They're, yeah, their whole subgroup.
1: I enjoy hearing criticisms of Freud. It gives me a sense of Schadenfreude. <laughs>
0: Pretty good, Blotch. Have you read anything by Frederick Cruz? No. Well, he is a wonderful and amusing writer who wrote a book called The Memory Wars in the 90s about the discussion about repressed memory and how that connects to Freud's legacy. Yeah. Um, That's very good. And then he also just wrote I'm Looking Up Above My Desk. Right at it. Freud, The Making of an Illusion, which is a uh, oh. very critical biography of Freud that just came out this last year. Oh, nice. So if you want more Freud, that's what to read.
1: Speaking of Freud jokes, my favorite is one I heard from Richard Wiseman, though I think he said he didn't come up with it either. I don't trust Freud only because his theories aren't testicle.
0: <laughs> I think I've heard that before too, but maybe from Richard Wiseman. Uh, good well, stuff. I would say Richard Wiseman is a more wise man than Freud. Okay.
1: Well, Carrie, let's get to the Bible, because that's what's important. Okay. <laughs> Okay, So Bob uh, gives us a healthy helping of Exodus 2330, which says, I will drive them out little by little before you.
0: Okay, what's the context
1: of Yes, that? right. So you think, oh, wow, okay, there you go. That's a shining example of your approach to psychology. But the rest of the verse says, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Oh, this isn't about psychology oh. or driving out demons at all.
0: Yeah, well, I guess maybe he'd be like, The land is the hotel and the hotel is your soul.
1: It's like free association. These words are in the Bible. I can (laughs) apply them to any situation and it will hold true.
0: You know, we should do that. We should take the Bible and just try to make it mean all the things we like.
1: I think that's one of the, I don't know if it's dangers, but it's one of the pitfalls of the Christian community and sermons that I've heard my whole life is that it really teaches you to make bad analogies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've heard so many bad analogies in church where it's like, "Hey, this can be compared to this." Well, sure, yes, it can. That doesn't mean that's a valid analogy, though. So, yep. Uh, but of course, the point that he was making was the one that we've talked about: is that this will be a long haul. This may be a series of exorcisms, but then he gives us James four seven, which is actually relevant. It says, "Resist the devil, and he will flee from you." Okay. Okay. That's something. Then again- yeah, then again, Bob has told us that you and your will outweigh the effects of any demons. Even if you only have 1% will left, it's stronger than these right. demons. And so, okay, if I resist the devil, he'll flee from me. That sounds really easy and doesn't require a complex yeah. deliverance ministry.
0: Yeah, if he wants that to support him, it should say something like, resist the devil and he will slowly walk away from you. But you're going to have to keep shouting at him as he leaves. Hey, right. stay out of here. Yeah.
1: Resist the devil with the help of a deliverance minister, preferably Bob Larson, and he will flee from you. (laughs) The devil, we mean, not Bob. That would be the revised verse.
0: Right. So, yeah, more CYA advice. He tells us uh, there are some legal considerations here. Don't tell anyone not to take their psychiatric medication. Okay, good, 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 good. Good, Bob. Don't question someone's therapist. Good, 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 good. But. Most therapy lacks spiritual insight. So you do have something to offer them on top of that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I agree. He is covering his ass, but I'm glad he's at least doing that because we can point to many uh, spiritual practitioners who do encourage people to throw away their medications and ignore actual qualified advice. So it's something. Mm
0: -hmm. It's something. The bar's low, but he passed it.
1: I won't kick him in the ass because he covered it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he tells us that most Christian counseling is based on a therapeutic model that is borrowed from secular clinicians, and mm-hmm. he introduces these dualities that are kind of present in contemporary psychology, listening, not telling, emoting, not analyzing, exoteric, not endemic. Mm. Yeah, I like that, that. fancy. So coming from outside, not necessarily from inside, observational and not generational, which is funny because <laughs> he, he is sort of a different use of the word generational, but uh, meaning that we're not, we're not creating information, we're observing information. So all of that sounds good. And then he kind of emphasizes from those things. Again, I think he's saying we can learn from the secular approach by having all those attitudes in how we uh, deal with people. But he says that real restoration is done by asking the right questions, which, okay, sounds good, but we know he's going to be asking about demons and who's there. <laughs>
0: But you're asking the wrong questions.
1: (laughs) Right. But at least, you know, he's saying there is much to learn from these secular clinicians. And he says, we can embrace any wisdom because all that is wise comes from above. Okay, that's fine. Cite it to God if you want. But then now he's ready to tell us about some of these popular psychologists who have really set our modern models of psychology.
0: Yeah. So he tells us about Freud Carl Jung. oh boy, I'm really stretching my knowledge. Alfred of, Adler, um, is it Alfred? Okay, I was yeah. trying to remember from. I,
1: I had to look that up. I'm not claiming like I knew that off the top of my head.
0: <laughs> okay, Carl Rogers, Abraham Maslow. Mm-hmm. So he goes through these one at a time, and uh, you know, is mostly saying positive things about each of them. So mm-hmm. about Freud, um, I think he calls him a German doctor, which I believe is incorrect. I think he was Austrian. Okay, yeah, but. Um, Was a founding father of psychoanalysis, true. Sought to treat psychopathology by creating communication between the patient and the analyst uh, and taught us that unconscious drives need to be released to avoid depression, repression and neurosis. A relatively accurate view of what Freud taught. Mm -hmm. um, Not much review here of Freud's uh, complete lack of care whether his theories were scientific or whether they were reproducible or testable on any level.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I would have expected Bob to take Freud to task. And I was actually kind of surprised that he didn't mention like he was a filthy little atheist or something like that, as Theodore Roosevelt famously called Thomas Paine. But yeah, this was sort of a missed opportunity for him to provide some context about Freud and, and why he's unreliable.
0: Well, I know why not. In Bob's case. Yeah? Um, oh, yeah, because, because it
1: supports that whole foundation of dissociative identity disorder?
0: And repression, yeah. I mean, the whole idea of repression is just Freud. And Bob relies on that idea so much, this idea that we just have memories and then we sublimate them. And
1: That's interesting to think that he might actually kind of rely on Freud in a strange oh, sideways yeah. fashion. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, interesting. I would have just thought he knows that and would say as much, like, this is what we know from Freud, but maybe he knows not to do that. Maybe he's aware that there is too much criticism in the air now.
1: So we've mentioned earlier in the series that each of these modules would be followed by a 10 question quiz. And at this point in the whole like third series, I took most of the courses really quickly. I just had them on in the background while I was doing other things. So I wasn't paying super close attention. And for this one, I missed one question on the quiz. It was a challenge to Freudian psychology is basic lack of And so Mm. I I was just filling this out as Ross. And so I chose standardized research because I thought, I thought maybe
0: absolutely accurate.
1: Maybe Bob would say that. And like, hey, there's the right answer right there. And so it turns out, nope, the correct answer was moral boundaries.
0: (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. I mean, also true of Freud. Yeah,
1: fair Uh, enough. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Real, real messed up life. Uh, Anyway, Freud, if you're listening, I'm sure you're great. Feel free to reach out. okay, I'm um, not sure of
1: that, and you're dead,
0: <laughs> yeah, so you know he goes through all of these and tells us sort of how they contributed to the uh, the different theories around human psychology. Mm-hmm. I, I was interested that Adler's mentioned here, who was one of the early um, cognitive therapy psychologists, but mm. no mention of Skinner.
1: yeah, uh, behavioral psychology, behaviorism, yeah. yeah. That's true.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, Abraham Maslow, we all know him. He had that famous hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. needs.
1: Yeah, which I think is, out of all of these things, the concept that comes up most often and is the most useful, at least in my conversations.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: He talks about Jung and archetypes and the collective unconscious, the idea of all religions being the same and sharing underlying themes, which, of course, Bob kind of looked sideways at, like, Psh. Mm-hmm. The other religions are false. Mine is right. <laughs> and he would he would throw in little biographical details. Like he was saying, too bad about Carl Jung. You know, his father was a minister, but his mom, she saw spirits. So, you know, we have her to blame. Mm-hmm. And he studied Eastern philosophy and alchemy and astrology and the occult. So now we know what went wrong with Jung.
0: Oh, yes. That entire hemisphere full of bad thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I talked about Adler, talked about Rogerian. Uh, psychology. I didn't know about Carl Rogers. So, you know, good thing I'm taking this course and I'm learning about these important (laughs) psychologists.
0: This is all you need to know. Uh, So he tells us that a goal of this school, the Exorcist School, is to embrace as much as we can from psychological study, but with You know, keeping in mind that the ultimate goal here is to bring healing to the person who is afflicted by demons. Mm -hmm. So if that helps you get to that end, great. But don't get stuck just thinking about whether they need to, you know, get therapy or whatever. That's not what you're here for.
1: Yeah, and he had his little criticisms in there. For example, Maslow, he said... You know, yeah, it's useful to talk about the hierarchy of needs for understanding some elements of human motivation, but it really reduces man to an animalistic nature that he only cares about food and water and sleep and sex and stuff like that.
0: Well, sure, the triangle's not exhaustive, Bob. You're sure. right. Well, and also you know, got to go to the movies sometimes.
1: And you could put self-actualization, you know, within that category, you could add a lot of your spiritual pursuits, but of exactly. course, exactly. I think Bob would consider those more foundational. Oh, touche. But yeah, he said, that the approach of most psychoanalysts lacks a biblical foundation which takes original sin into account. And that was, I think, his biggest critique of the whole category is that mm. they're not aware of original sin.
0: Now, you said psychoanalysts there, not to peg you on it, but did he say psychoanalysts?
1: I believe he specifically? did. That's what I have in okay. my notes. So uh, yeah, it's I think just it's yeah, one that's of those one of the schools giveaways. that he mentioned.
0: Right, yeah, it's one of those giveaways where like when someone's talking about evolution and they just sort of offhandedly say well you know there's macro versus micro evolution <laughs> right go, like oh wait a minute you're, you're revealing your, your limited somewhere understanding weird. yes exactly um yeah and you're right
1: i think that may have been a moment of him just sort of seeing those as synonyms
0: yeah i bet he thinks psychoanalyst is therapist instead of specific um practitioner of freud's therapy but mm. anyway yeah so that was part one of Yay. psychological aspects of deliverance. What about, do you need to go number two? Ha <laughs> yeah. Ross, I keep a calendar where I put a sticker every time I poop.
1: Wait, what? You have a calendar like oh. this? Or are you saying mm-hmm. you need a calendar like this?
0: No, I have one. Speaking of number twos. Wait,
1: no. This is and this is for Ella.
0: No, it's really me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Did you poop today?
0: I don't think so. I don't think I have.
1: Oh, well, I was going to congratulate you, but, you know, get to it, I Carrie. I
0: appreciate that. Because, yeah, I also put down every time I have a headache. And February's been a very good poop month, but a terrible headache month. Lots of know. both.
1: Are you hoping maybe to identify patterns?
0: Yeah, with my triggers, with the migraines, and ugh, just my poop schedule. It's so up and down sometimes. I just need to poop regularly like everybody else maybe once a day and then other times i'm like well it's been five days is this bad it seems bad
1: oh my goodness
0: yes yes i think i have a demon okay and it's in my colon and it's blocking it
1: that's funny i remember this coming up more in conversation early in our friendship but i haven't thought about your pooping in a long time so (laughs) thank you for the update
0: You're welcome. Um, well, it's, uh, does it sound about the same as 10 years ago when we first became friends?
1: Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think at the time I wasn't really hip to vegetarianism or veganism. And I, mm. I wondered, I just remember thinking, oh, I, is this maybe a concern that vegans have? Of Oh, regular mm-hmm. you know, con- constipation or regular bowel movements. But yeah, it's just... Not, opposite. Thankfully, sweet. nothing I've ever really had to think about.
0: Yeah. No, we get so much fiber. It's the opposite of that problem. Gotcha. Okay. But so anyway, maybe. okay. <laughs> but today, oh boy. I mean, this month, so good. It's just been such a good poop
1: month. Oh, well, congratulations.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so what made me think of that was that we are now in... Uh, we hold
1: nothing back on this podcast.
0: Our- <laughs> And I'm not holding anything back either. It holds back on me. <laughs> so the reason I thought of that is because we're now on number two, psychological aspects of deliverance, mm-hmm. number two, part two. So in this course, we're going to look at the most common forms of mental health issues that we are likely to encounter when we are yes. running our Ross and Carry exorcism business. Yes. And he does tell us there, you know, of course, there are other psychological issues in this world, but these are the ones that are most often, often related to demons.
1: Right. Yeah, he says no time to cover ADHD, autism, OCD, schizoaffective disorder. Um mm-hmm. we're going to get to the ones that you're going to see most often.
0: Yeah, good news, those are all demon-free. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are some foundational principles of Bob's mental health strategy. <laughs> These seem very, very basic to me, but okay. Principle number 1. Some of life's problems are just mental.
1: Okay, yeah, essentially mental, yeah, okay.
0: Principle number two, your client's condition is mostly a spiritual problem that feels a little bit like i'm assuming the thing i'm trying to prove.
1: Oh, yeah, this doesn't work well as a foundational maxim. Okay.
0: Uh and then principle 3, the individual in need is suffering from a combination of mental and demonic issues and is so it's not an either or thing. You're mm-hmm. going to have to combine your uh your now perfect understanding of human psychology with your knowledge of exorcism and deliverance.
1: Right. And and Bob holds this belief that eventually all of these disciplines will become one because, of course, they're mm. all truth. So eventually you'll have something that will, you know, we just need that psychologist from the Christian ranks who shows and demonstrates definitively and <laughs> clinically that uh, that you need to take God into the mix, and then we'll have the perfect science of the mind.
0: I wonder if he has tried to submit any papers or anything. Little tried does he
1: know... Of- The perfect science of the mind already exists. It's dynamics.
0: Yes, it's Scientology. That's funny because I was already thinking about... L. Ron Hubbard, in that I think Elron similarly coveted the sort of scholarly respect of psychology and couldn't quite break in. Right.
1: And, and no so, one wanted to join or seek the counsel of L. Ron Hubbard.
0: Right, right, initially. And so, yeah, then he sort of got this sour grapes. Oh, I know, I never mind, I hate psychology. But
1: I wonder <laughs> right. They're they're actually they're evil.
0: Right. Because they won't listen to me. Yeah, I kind of get a similar vibe here.
1: (sighs) He had a spirit of rejection. Oh, sorry. Continue.
0: Oh, yeah. There you go. I get a similar vibe here with Bob. I don't think he's resentful, but I do think he kind of loves the world of scholarship and wishes he could be part of it.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I think you're right.
0: So, okay. Here are the most common mental health issues you will see When you run your exorcism business. Yes. So the first one, first up, we've got schizophrenia.
1: That's the big one, I think, as far as Bob is concerned.
0: No, he said borderline personality disorder is the one you get the most of.
1: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Never mind. Mm -hmm. I take it back. So he says schizophrenia is probably the most disabling disorder that you are going to encounter. And that contrary to popular belief, they're not crazy all the time people with schizophrenia that's they may Bob's have wording. right yeah and and even he is lampooning that as a caricature
0: sure fair
1: he says that people with schizophrenia may have extended periods of lucidity and then s- swing back so you know mm. don't don't be looking for someone who's uh, you know foaming at the mouth or some other caricature
0: right yeah and i uh, have a loved one with uh, this condition and mm. yeah that's definitely true you know you see you see them at their best, and you see them at their in their hardest places all the time.
1: He says something um, here that I feel that he actually contradicts later in these mm. uh, discussions we'll be having today. Th- that uh, you shouldn't feel the need to contradict paranoid outbursts, just work through it, mm-hmm. which, you know- That's
0: that's the typical psychological understanding. That's good yeah. advice.
1: I feel like later on he'll tell us that we need to really stand firm and state truth.
0: That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when he's talking about borderline, he definitely harps on that a lot. Mm. Yeah, good point. So this seems like a weird time to mention this, but he said that a lot of mental disorders are an attempt of the mind to escape some trauma. Hmm. We dealt with this a little bit in the last episode, but a strange thing to bring up in the schizophrenia context assuming that he means psychological trauma but regardless he says we should see whether we can sort of get to the root where where did this all start for you
1: Mm -hmm. and of course for him this is going to or likely it's going to be spiritual in nature and so he encourages us to have everybody fill out a profile in advance Which I think might play into Bob's public exorcisms. I would love to get more insight into how he handles this behind the scenes. But it does seem that with anybody that we've seen him exercise, we find out later that he already knew them in advance. He'd already talked to them. And he just sort of had them there in the audience, I think, sort of planning that they would manifest that day. And... We've seen him walk by people who are kind of grunting and making noises. I think because they may be people that he hasn't pre-screened.
0: Oh, interesting. Or the opposite. It's like, Jake, I've already done you a million times. I'm sick of your shit.
1: Right, right. Yeah. If I didn't have Colleen over there, I would totally use you, Jake. But for right now... Keep your growling to yourself. That's a good point. Yeah. So again, there's kind of, there's the good side of that, which is he's done a little bit of prep work and he's not going full Dr. Phil where he's just like encountering someone for the first time and trying to give them life-altering advice. That would be the good interpretation of what Bob's doing. Then there's- Which is still bad. But on the other hand, then you have this sort of like shill in the audience thing where Bob is really focusing on stagecraft and making sure that he has a reliable show.
0: Though I, I do think all those people are sincere, don't you? The people in the audience?
1: Yeah, and they they totally can be. I think that's compatible with this. That's a good point to make. Totally. But, totally. but I think Bob, you know, he's he's the P. T. Barnum here in that respect where he Exactly wa- He yeah. wants to make sure he, he produces results and, and then totally. it, it feels a little bit more like how I feel about ghost hunting shows. You know, where it's like, Mm, you know, let's mm. let's make sure we set up at least a bare minimum so that we have something that looks interesting on screen.
0: Right. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. By the way, listeners, if you can hear strange noises every once in a while in the background, it is so windy here that Mm. the doors of my apartment are banging.
1: Now everybody knows it's windy.
0: Yeah. Or it's demons.
1: Yeah. They're just trying to get in from outside. So, so yeah, Bob wants you to fill out the survey uh, and find out also what trauma the person has been through. And Bob right. seems to have no compunctions about asking people to share the most intimate details of ways that they've been abused and taken advantage of by others because yeah. that will help him identify demons.
0: Feels a little voyeuristic, honestly.
1: I get that sense. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so Bob has this one concept called the point of the pain that will come up a bunch of times. And it's this idea that there is, you know, that basic, basic, as Scientology would call it, that first trauma that sort of gave birth to all the other traumas. And you want to help this person figure out what that is because that's just sort of going to explain the cycle that came after. Right. And he's really big on insisting that you divulge to him your worst experiences right now, right now. Yeah. So... um, Uh, As you may have heard in the last episode, Bob is very specific about the point of the pain and how important it is for you to disclose it tonight in front of this crowd of people, or at (laughs) least in private to him. And yeah, it just feels grody.
1: Uh, Indeed. Yes, it does. This is so weird. He'll talk about this more later as well. But Bob says that demons may go by the name of insanity or schizophrenia (sighs) or bipolar disorder, which is... Ugh, I don't like it. I think it's lazy. I think it's weird. And it's like a category error. Mm Because, you know, you have demons named Beelzebub and Quetzalcoatl and... Jezebel, you know, like actual personage names, characters. Yeah. But then he'll just take anything he can get, like rejection, abandonment, insanity. If that's what someone says to him, because that's what comes to their mind, he'll say, aha, that's the name of that demon.
0: Yeah, that's so unhelpful. I don't like it. So much of this is him telling us we need to distinguish between these things, and then him going ahead and making the boundaries ever blurrier.
1: Right, right.
0: Well, so he tells us the symptoms of schizophrenia, uh, they're, you know, they're more or less. The most known ones, you know, thinking someone's reading your mind, uh, having hallucinations, delusions, Mm -hmm. low affect, these sorts of things.
1: And Bob says that he's seen it all. Here he does give us a few, not specific examples, but little cumulative examples. He says someone told Bob that they were going to be the one to lead the 144,000 who were to rule and reign at the end of time.
0: Oh, wow. That's a biblical reference, by the way. Yeah. So 144,000.
1: Oh, that's, okay, I'll resist the temptation to sidebar on that. But um, <laughs> he's heard from people who feel that they're being persecuted by Satanists or Freemasons, which I feel he's often very close to doing himself. <laughs>
0: yeah, totally.
1: Um, that they can control streetlights, that the numbers on license plates are trying to speak to them, that they're in communication with famous people or having telepathic affairs so those are some of the examples that he gives
0: which by the way those are just examples of delusions like schizophrenia is more than just having delusions and there are other disabilities that give you delusions so like this still isn't helping us narrow things down
1: that's a good point point.
0: and then he tells us what what should we do if we encounter someone who has schizophrenia in our ministry what should i do ross
1: what do we do about it
0: well, thank you for asking. First of all, and most importantly, you need to offer prayer of healing and deliverance to this person. I mean, that's the most important thing. Okay. He's praying for them. That'll help pull them back to reality over time. Okay. Secondary to that, he mentions that stabilizing medication may help the person be more rational so that you can do your work with them. But then he says it can also make them zone out. It can make it sound kind of hard for you to work with them. So, you know, it's, it's tough. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Bob. Great. Very clear advice. Demons operate through the emotions of the soul. And mm. so it, he says if they take too much medication, that can numb their feelings. And then you can't confront them and interrogate the demons. Like, how is this not discouraging meds? You told me not to discourage people from taking their meds.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. He even mentions the exorcism of Emily Rose, which he quotes as saying, you can't medicate a demon. Which, that's Mm. a good line. But Bob actually like hems and maybe even haws at this. He thinks... uh... That's kind of silly. So I don't know, there he's, I guess he would be in agreement with that statement, but he thought that was kind of silly. So he's at least, I think, paying a little bit of lip service there to the importance of medication, that it can help. Right. But I think you're right. He talks out of both sides of his mouth about this.
0: He's very good at that. Um, I listened to an interview with him recently, where the interviewer asked him more specifically about this. You know, how do you tell the difference between uh, a demon and someone's psychiatric illness? And Bob said, "Oh, it's 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 so easy. You just ask them, do you take any medication? And if they say yes, then you ask if it helps, and if they say yes, then there you have it. Like Uh-oh. <laughs> psychiatric so I'm thinking like, well, A that doesn't match the advice you're giving in your school. Right. And and B, what if someone comes to you before they've seen a mental health professional?
1: Right. Yeah, or maybe they've tried one Medication that doesn't work for them and they should be trying another one or a third one or a fourth one. You know, that all takes time as well. Bob, some processes take time. Remember when you said that earlier? (laughs) Um, And and also, not everybody every time is properly addressed by medication. It's amazing that we have the medications that we do, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we have... The right medication for every situation and every person, yeah, and and every problem they're experiencing. So, yeah, that's oh. that's not a good metric.
0: But you know what you should do is watch a Beautiful Mind. That will <laughs> help you understand all of this a lot more.
1: That's right. Uh, yeah. Would you agree, Carrie? Is that a, a very good education <laughs> in schizophrenia?
0: I, I've never seen a Beautiful Mind. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so then he tells us to try our best to figure out uh, Ross. Can you believe it? to figure out whether this person is hearing the voices of demons or just having auditory hallucinations. Oh, sure. No problem, Bob. I'm qualified for that. (laughs) I've taken your exorcism course. No problem. Does
1: he give us examples of things said and how he determined whether they were one or the other? No. A
0: A little, but they're not helpful. Okay, so he says... Um, usually schizophrenic voices have no interest in theology. Okay, so so if they're talking about the Bible, it's probably okay, or no, it's probably a demon. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and what if it's and the then, person who thought they were being persecuted by Satanists? Does that count?
0: Yeah, so he did say, except when it's a case of religious delusion. Okay, <laughs> well then how oh, oh, am I supposed to differentiate all that didn't help me at all? And so he says, the you know one way to help is speak scripture at them, and that's the truth. Um, mm. So watch to see what reactions you get. You know, because demons will will freaking hate it. But be careful about confronting demons, as you might accidentally tip this person over into a psychotic state if they have psychosis. What Bob?
1: Wait, that's weird. This talking could not to be a, less clear. Talking to a person with schizophrenia about demonic possession might push them over the edge.
0: Yeah, well, I have have no idea what that would do, but yeah, uh, how... Well, it's not helpful
1: to introduce your unreality to this person who's struggling with reality.
0: Yeah, touche, touche. Yeah, and then he said, at the first sign of schizophrenia, get spiritual help. Thanks, Bob. I'll call Kaiser. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, and he says not to contradict a clinical diagnosis unless you have a very clear demonic manifestation and the demons tell you how they're doing this.
0: Oh my God.
1: Then by all means, go wild.
0: And, the, and how would that be clear, Bob? How would I have a very clear case? You have never explained it. Okay. So he tells us there are more incidents of mental disorders today than ever before. And he, he actually yeah. takes a moment to say, and that's not just reporting. It's not just that there's better diagnosing. I'm like, okay. Okay.
1: All right. So it's you're your you're source. aware <laughs> of one of my first objections. So what do you have to say to that, Bob?
0: Uh, no, that's incorrect. It's not that. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. He says demons are exploitative. They look for people who have mental weaknesses that they can exploit Uh, So it makes sense that the people who suffer with these types of disorders are the ones the demons want to get at. And I'm thinking like, well, that seems awfully convenient for you. Like you told us that they're not usually involved Mm. in ADHD or uh, just classic depression or I forget all the list. Or or like what about Tourette's? You know, like what about these Mm. other Mm -hmm. things that might have symptoms that would look to the untrained eye like a demon how are you supposed to square those it just it it seems like he's just picking the ones that would be easiest to mistake for a demon and just claims that it is in fact demons
1: yeah though he does put a number The ratio here, he says that one third of people who feel that they need an exorcism have a mental health condition in addition to a spiritual affliction. Okay. Oh,
0: in addition? Yes. Not not instead of, okay. Only a third. Okay. Oh, boy, that's confusing. I'm trying to square that with other numbers I've heard from him.
1: Right, making it sound like 80% of people who come seeking deliverance are suffering from a certain mental condition.
0: Confusing, Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. So on the subject of, well, what if someone comes to you before they've ever seen a mental health professional, he actually addresses this, Mm -hmm. says, this is a direct quote, many of those who seek me out and will seek out your ministerial skills, they can't afford to see a psychiatrist Mm. or uh, they've previously refused to seek professional help Mm -hmm. and they might not have the time, they might not have the resources. In addition, they may be in crisis at that moment and in need of drastic intervention. If I determine they need psychiatric assistance... I may nudge them in the right direction. But if on the other hand, Uh my understanding of mental health issues enables me to detect something demonic, I can relieve that part of the equation.
1: He was so close to the right answer there.
0: (sighs) Yeah. Keywords here are uh, understanding and determine. How am I doing those things? No explanation.
1: Yeah. He does at least say that it's not your job to diagnose anybody good.
0: But here's a list.
1: Yeah. So, you know, again, he pays lip service to these people may be a danger to others. You should point them to professionals, but you can bring prayer ministry to the situation at the very least. You can pray for them. All right. I guess that does no harm.
0: Almost no harm. One thing that I keep thinking of is just... How exhausting it is to start at square one again when you're trying to fix an issue and how what a cruelty it is. I mean, we think of false hope and, of course, false hope has its own cruelties, mm-hmm. but... In addition, the idea of going to someone, them saying, yeah, I have part of the solution for you, and then realizing they didn't and having to start again at somewhere else, just that can sort of weaken your resolve, make you feel like, I don't know, I've tried three or four things. I don't feel like going to the doctor and trying a fifth.
1: That's a really good point. Yeah, you can never bring that same initial energy and hope to the second or the third attempt. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. That, that really takes its tax at each at each attempt.
0: I've had conversations with multiple friends where I hear them say the phrase, "Oh, I've tried everything." Mm. about whatever concern. And then as you talk to them about it, you realize like Oh, actually, the thing they haven't tried is the is the Evidence standard based approach. One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I think everyone—not uh, everyone, but I think a lot of people think of that as like, well, that's always waiting in the background. Mm. If I don't have, if nothing else works, maybe I'll try that hocus pocus, which is yeah. a backwards way of approaching things. Yeah, yeah. All right, level three, course six, psychological aspects of deliverance, part three.
1: Woohoo! All right, let's round oh, out the series. Yeah,
0: but before we do, um, mm-hmm. Ross, I just want to tell you you're one of my best fiends. Oh well, thank
1: you. That means <laughs> a lot to me because it reminds me of one of my favorite mobile games that I play uh, on my oh. mobile phone. This oh, is not okay. a stationary phone, Carrie. This is it's a mobile phone. It fits in my pocket. I can take it anywhere. Uh-huh. It follows me okay. all over the place.
0: Uh, this isn't you, exactly what I was going for with this moment, but okay. You yeah,
1: don't look uh, impressed, Carrie. But but wait, there's more. I can play games on this mobile Uh phone.
0: Oh, please tell me more.
1: You don't understand. I can with my finger. I can Uh, touch. Look at the look how. First of all, look how colorful this game Best Fiends is.
0: Yeah, it's sure getting a lot of your affection right now. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, I see. You were hoping for a returned sense of camaraderie (laughs) and friendship.
0: Yeah, I thought you were playing along. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that was the bit.
1: (laughs) Well, no, no. I'm more excited about this game, (laughs) Carrie. And you should be, too. Um,
0: Fair enough. Please, tell me about your mobile game.
1: It's a lot of fun. And like I was just saying, very colorful.
0: Okay, yes, pretty colors.
1: Uh, Level report. I am currently at level 1,729.
0: That's so many levels.
1: That's a lot of levels. And I'm not going to do the mental math that my brain is straining to do of how many hours that represents of me playing this game. But...
0: Hey, wait. 1729, is that a prime number?
1: I mean, no. Because... Wait. Why are we thinking about this?
0: Ah, this is amazing. Stop everything. You can just Google, is 729 a prime number? And Google just goes, no.
1: (laughs) Oh, rejected. Okay. Okay. Well, we settled that one. Okay. But yeah, that's many hours of me puzzle solving, earning new characters, and right now there's a whole Valentine's overlay. They do these se- seasonal overlays, so the icon has turned pink with hearts and there's these little Valentine's bugs and uh and a whole new set of challenges the, the Valentine's Rescue that I'm working on right now. So uh, it's very fun. You, you collect characters, you play these levels. There's even side levels and side quests. Oh, I just started a level. Um, you're, you're clearing out these, these grids and achieving objectives, but at the same time, you're working your brain, you're earning points, you're defeating slugs. Whoa, there's a rubber ducky in this level. That's cool. The slug is on a rubber ducky. Anyways... It's uh it's a lot of fun. I enjoy playing it and if you uh if you find me on there, you can see my progress and uh good luck catching up with me.
0: Yeah, it must be nice. So you can be your friend then. Yes, um, this
1: this phone is means a lot to me and this app, this game mean a lot to me.
0: So if you want to be friends with Ross, I guess you should join that game. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, ca-
1: yeah, Carrie, I don't see you yeah. on here, so really yeah, that's I, I just fair. I don't know what you mean to me.
0: That's fair. I understand. With Best Fiends, there's something new today and tomorrow and every day after that. So if you never get tired of solving puzzles, good news. With Best Fiends, the fun never ends.
1: Look, I don't know why she's not excited about this, but (laughs) if you really want to be valued in my life, you can download Best Fiends for free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play.
0: That's friends without the R. Best fiends.
1: Oh, that's the carry I know.
0: <laughs>
1: You're my best fiend, too. Yes!
0: Well, listen, I want to tell you about honey.
1: Oh, honey? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's my best friend. It's it's a web plugin. Uh, or some might call it a browser extension where you, uh, it'll tell you you're shopping. Women yeah. be shopping. So yeah. that's me. And you know how they're like on every website. It's like, hey, put in a code if you've got one. And then you're like, oh, I don't so have a code. Codes, but I, I don't could, have one.
1: I could be getting a deal on this.
0: Right. So Honey is like a little tiny man who gets into the browser Mm -hmm. and looks around and is like, oh, she needs a code. And then it uh, scrubs through the rest of the internet and finds one for you if there is one. And then you get free discounts that's yeah. great and you do nothing
1: it's it's really a no brainer uh yeah i've i've used this and i have this just sitting in the background in my browser and honestly i won't think about it i'll be on a website and about to check out and it'll pop up for me and it'll say hey i see i see this form field do you want me to check on available discounts i'll be like um all right do your thing. And sometimes it says, you've already got the best deal. Or sometimes it says, hey, I found you $5 off on this item. You're like, cool. It's like finding money in your jacket. Hey, look at that.
0: (laughs) It is like that.
1: I had a 10 spot in here. I didn't even know.
0: So listen, we all shop online and we've all seen that promo code field just taunt us at checkout. But thanks to Honey, the free browser extension manually searching for coupon codes guys that's a thing of the past
1: i love it too like it'll even pop up and tell you we tried this out and it worked 30 minutes ago you know because
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah.
1: sometimes these things like yeah sure it was a discount code a month ago and it's now defunct it'll let you know yeah this one's current
0: Yeah, you're like, really, the code's Y2K? All right, let's try it.
1: And it it doesn't, like, throw you off the page or anything. Like, it'll pop up and it'll do its math, but it puts you right back where you were. So that's nice, too.
0: Yeah, it really is, like, in the background. So listen, you can just download Honey to your computer, shop like normal, click the Apply Coupons button, and if Honey finds a coupon, you'll just watch those prices drop, baby!
1: Yeah, it's literally free, and it installs in just a few seconds.
0: Ugh! So get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash oh no.
1: That's right. You're thinking, I want honey, but I also want Ross and Carrie to get credit for it. Mm-hmm. That's why you're going to join honey.com slash oh no, O-H-N-O.
0: So, uh, before we go, though, Ross, uh, I had a couple little notes for you. Where are these? Yeah, they came, like, uh, uh, a Pony Express came by yesterday and just dropped off these oh. two little telegrams. They were both addressed to you. I don't know why they came here, but... Did they come you know? all the way
1: up to the third floor on the Pony? mm mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, that's, Yeah.
1: That's dedication.
0: It's animal abuse, really, but um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> here's...
1: Yeah, did they here's fit the in the elevator?
0: Uh, probably not. I probably <laughs> had to cut off its foot or something. Anyway, oh. I, I reported them to the to the police. But in the meantime, here's here's the notes. What did they say?
1: Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate you relaying those to me and also notifying the authorities. Oh wow, it looks like these are jumbotrons.
0: Oh, that makes sense now. Okay,
1: this one is from Chuck to Amy. So Amy, ah. you should know that Chuck says. Thanks, friend. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's the whole message.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great Jumbotron. $100. Wow. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, incredible. Good for Chuck. Yeah. Short, sweet, to the point.
1: Well, and and thank you, Amy, for, for being a friend or whatever you did for Chuck. He appreciates it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, if there's if they're super short like that, you want to just hand me the other yeah, one and I'll read this yeah, one. Yeah,
1: here's, here's the other one.
0: Okay, let's see. So this one is for Monique from Belmont. And it says, Mom's spaghetti, a recipe for the one I love. In Simba's two skillets, a special something that boils. As prepared by its owner, Sharp. With some slimy wet spaghetti, plus a weird exotic ingredient. In 2017, it was invented. If you know who is hungry, this person, not a mushroom, will open the door and then serve you.
1: Um, we have no idea what that means, but what we're hoping.
0: The sh- crap! Does this mean?
1: Yeah, we're hoping, Monique, that this leads you to some delicious spaghetti or something <laughs> else desirable
0: um oh man i get spaghetti tomorrow because it's valentine's day and drew's cooking and i got to pick and i was like i want like really classic spaghetti on the balcony oh. i want to go this is a night, a beautiful night.
1: are you gonna like uh this might be actually hard to do even if you try but eat the same spaghetti strand from both sides and then kiss I'll in the try. middle
0: we'll see what i can do it's
1: worth a shot and Someone, they call it Bellnata Bella I'm just I'm auditioning. Do you want me there to sing for you too <laughs> <laughs> That was such a white uh, hell no
0: I mean it's Valentine's Day, yeah, um I, what was I gonna say? Oh, on this season of The Bachelor, one of the the women in the house introduced herself to the bachelor by holding up some like spaghetti just cooked spaghetti no sauce and making him do that with her
1: oh okay that's one way
0: introduction
1: i like that you know she wasn't sure she would get far enough to do this later or do it right (laughs) and so she's like i want this moment we're gonna have it uncooked spaghetti or i have
0: to force it that's okay
1: plain spaghetti okay yeah. That's wow, how did that go?
0: Oh, fine. I mean, all the entrances on the Bachelor and Bachelorette are all like pretty forced.
3: So. Okay.
0: It was fine. But you know, cold spaghetti, no one wants that. Okay, well, speaking of Valentine's Day, let's talk about psychological aspects of deliverance part three.
1: <laughs> Best segue ever. Thank you. Take that Dean Kamen. Who's that? The guy who invented the segue. <laughs>
0: See, the one who died? Oh no, that was the president who died on a Segway. <laughs> so oh, remember? Yeah.
1: Yeah, sad boy. Boy, yeah. we really set this up. That <laughs> could transition from Valentine's.
0: <laughs> okay. That, so that was the course-
1: worst segue ever. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: Um, in this course, we will consider in detail the two most common other forms of mental illness that you might see in deliverance ministry. And Bob says this was a aside, but he said we would do this as much as time permits. And I was like, Bob,
1: this you have is as your much course. Time as you want, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're calling <laughs> you're the just shots recording here.
0: Videos, yeah. Uh, But anyway, so the two other ones that we might encounter are bipolar and borderline personality disorder. Yes. So great news. You might be thinking, oh, well, those are both widely recognized psychiatric diagnoses with pretty clear methodology for how to handle them. Certainly, he's just going to say, send that person to a mental health professional. But no. Yeah. Great news. Demons do have something to do with it.
1: I mean, just to zoom out for a second, just like people used to blame thunder and weather on the gods, I think in a similar light, many people, even Christians, look at demonic possession now and they say, oh yeah, most of what throughout history has been called demonic possession is precisely the kinds of affective disorders that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. things that can actually be dealt with by professionals. And they would say, mm-hmm. you know, just like we now have grounding sockets and lightning rods, we no longer need exorcists. So uh, Bob mm-hmm. has come here to tell us, nope, actually demonic possession is still relevant. You still need exorcism. And here's why. So Bob tells us that, that there's a tendency for people to assume that these Conditions are demonic, which I guess is the flip side of that, where people see something and rather than thinking, you know, this is something diagnosable, they jump to it being demonic. And so Bob again tells us that maybe it's going to be demonically influenced or exploited by demons or even initiated by them, but it's usually some combination.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Could you make this any murkier, Bob? So yeah, they can be initiated by a demon. So then you can both genuinely have it. And also be demonized. But even then, he hazards to say, if you get rid of that demon who caused it, that doesn't mean that you can undo the damage they've already done. So you may still see the symptoms. Yeah, so what the demons do is they sit around and they look for someone who's in a moment of psychological weakness and they go in. He starts out by telling us about bipolar disorder in particular Mm -hmm. and says the demons will try to get the person while they are in their either manic or depressive phase because that's when they're sort of psychologically weakened.
1: Uh, When they've swung to one side or the other? Right. Okay. And just to... Introduce the definition here that Bob gives. He defines bipolar as constantly recurring mood swings, episodes of mania. Happiness, joy, even an ecstatic state or extreme efficiency or what have you, and depression on the other side.
0: Do you say constantly?
1: You said constantly recurring mood swings. Yeah.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, That doesn't seem totally accurate, but okay. Fair enough. So, mania, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners know, that's when you have sort of euphoria and suddenly feel really motivated and can't sleep and have racing minds and maybe do a lot of risk taking behaviors spending a lot of money having a lot of sex if you normally wouldn't taking a lot of drugs and he throws this in there he says they can be aggressive or dangerous in that manic phase Hmm. so i looked that up to see if that was accurate because
1: that didn't sound right to you
0: maybe i guess it's just it's one of those like boy this better be very soundly true or you're just going to increase people's fear of safe people you know
1: mm, mm-hmm.
0: but what i did find it is the case that with the violence yeah apparently it's like half true from the studies i could find so there was a 2010 study in the archive of general psychiatry Income. that found that compared to the general population people with bipolar no matter what phase they're in are around twice as likely to commit a violent crime, oh, but A, your average person is very unlikely to commit a violent crime, so a factor right. of two doesn't turn out to be that high. You're
1: talking about fractional differences in something that's already a fraction of the population.
0: Right. And then on top of that, from another study, it seems that almost 100% of those, cri- those violent crimes committed by people with bipolar were people who were not medicated and we're self-medicating with drugs or alcohol. Oh
1: wow. Okay. So
0: is that sort of like deadly combination? That changes the picture a bit. Potentially deadly combination of the bipolar and the self-medication.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I can at least see a reason there for bringing it up, but thanks for yeah. getting a little clarity on that.
0: Sure thing.
1: He tells us that investigators haven't determined a clear cause, maybe genetic, but apparently there's nowhere you can kind of look at the neural correlates and say this particular pathway leads to bipolar disorder
0: Mm -hmm. and he of course points out that if you have someone in your family who has bipolar and so do you some people might think that's genetics and maybe that's part of it but it could also be a family curse (laughs) right
1: great i was expecting him to finish that sentence with but it could also be environmental causes but oh right (laughs) no we got we got to get in generational curses there he also mentions that opposed to schizophrenia which develops later in adolescence or early adulthood this can be a lifelong battle
0: Yes. Yeah, so, okay. What do you do with bipolar disorder? For a second, he seemed to sort of err away from exorcism here. It, you know, seemed to be saying, "Oh, you know, it's a it's a hard condition to attack with ministry, and hmm. you know, you got to really be careful." But then eventually comes around.
1: Yeah, like he mentions that in the manic phase, especially if someone is expressing. In terms of sexuality or manipulation, that could be Jezebel, of course. Right. And then he says that uh, this condition is just tailor-made for demons, especially in the worst cases when you have psychosis or paranoia or even hallucinations. Aha, there we go. This is definitely where we're going to find demons.
0: How convenient that these are the disorders they pick. The ones that would be the most confused for demons. Mm. Yeah. So he says the way that you help these clients is going to depend on the state they come to you in. Are they manic? Are they depressed? Or neither Right. when you see them, which fair enough. But then he doesn't tell us at all how to adjust our process, depending on that important detail. Good point. That he does tell us is important. But you can read them the scriptures, especially Psalms.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. That's an
0: important treatment for bipolar.
1: Yeah, that'll calm anybody down. (laughs) Reading reading Psalms.
0: He says, yes, if if other family members also suffer the same condition, that might indicate a curse's presence. Keep that in mind. So then I just thought, like, wait. Okay, if if anyone who has a family member with the same thing, if that's evidence on some level of a curse or a demon, then how many people with bipolar have a parent who's got bipolar? I think it's like a lot. Oh, yeah. So uh, I couldn't find this in the opposite. What I really wanted the directionality to be was how many people with bipolar have a parent who's bipolar. And the only number I could find was the opposite If you have bipolar, what's the likelihood that your kid will have bipolar?
1: Oh, interesting. But
0: in that directionality, at least, about a third of kids whose parents have bipolar or something like it will have bipolar or something like it uh, diagnosis by the end of their life. A third! So, I mean, a third of these people coming to him at the very least, he's determining... Have demons.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well, when he talks about reading scripture to them, he uh, he also mentions that you should watch for their reactions. And I I love mm. I love just the mental image of Bob with his Bible opened right to the middle of the Psalms, there reading expectantly from the Psalms, and then glancing up to see what their reaction
0: is. <laughs> when what do you did you do? That? It's <laughs> especially it makes me since laugh. Psalms is just so sedate for most of it. Just, I'm walking. she walked through the hills. I, I look to the, the hills
3: milk.
1: from whence right. comes my help. Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want.
0: and then if you get mad, he automatically takes that as evidence of a demon. or if you fall asleep, as we know from that one story in the book. So <laughs> really, no reaction is going to get you away from demons. Oh, yeah, love this. okay. so. You've still got this person who may or may not be bipolar. He says, lead the person in some basic curse breaking to remove the effect of their generational issue. And then see if you get (laughs) relief, opposition, or nothing. (laughs) Because all three of those indicate the possible presence of a
1: demon that doesn't what sound other falsifiable is there? yeah exactly <laughs> when any situation yields your expected result yeah that's that's what we call non-falsifiable yep. oh boy well um yeah another thing he said here is that sometimes after you get rid of the demon the mental health issues can remain Uh, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. the demon's been there long enough, and so, you know, you cast out the demon, and now, oh, look, they're doing all the same exact things as they did before, which I— That's
0: certainly not disconfirming evidence.
1: Which I thought was uh, convenient, to say the most. Yep. (laughs) But demons want you to just give up and say, oh, let's leave it to the psychiatrist. Right. Bob doesn't want you to have that defeatist attitude. No, sir, you— Can be helpful,
0: and then he badmouths psychiatrists. Here says that they're often just trying to get a check and prescribe Mm -hmm. medicine and move you along. Which there is like a crisis of doctors not having enough time to actually give people the care that they would prefer. Right. So that much is true, but that doesn't necessarily mean the psychiatrist themselves has nefarious motives.
1: Right. And certainly
0: it doesn't mean we shouldn't send people to get these drugs that are oftentimes. Very helpful and science-based as opposed to sending them to a random person who took a course on the internet.
1: I think we see this kind of critique all the time with just general practitioners of medicine that people Mm -hmm. will kind of conflate the criticism of the short time that you get to spend with them, the more clinical environs. You know, they'll kind of conflate those problems that they have with the insurance system and other trappings of our medical system with the medicine itself and the advice mm-hmm. itself, you know, which is sound. Or the and
0: practitioner. Is
1: right. And so I think it's important to keep those things separate and Bob does not hear.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. He tells us that it could be that you spot bipolar in this person or they share with you that they have a bipolar diagnosis and you come to realize, aha, no, no, it is not The person standing in front of you who has bipolar disorder, it is an alter personality inside of them that they didn't even know they have Mm -hmm. that experienced some trauma that created the bipolar.
1: Yep. Tying into our last episode and kind of bringing back this idea of alters. Yeah, definitely not clarifying the issue, Bob. Nope. So here he gets into borderline personality disorder. And he says that in America, 20% of psychiatric hospitalizations are due to borderline personality disorder. I did look that one up, and that seemed to check out. At least I could find a, a couple places saying that same statistic.
0: Oh, interesting. I, the only thing I found that was like, okay, I see I see how you'd summarize it this way. It's a little bit off. But like in 2014, there was a study that said repeated psychiatric hospitalizations, so people who keep having to go back, mm. um, roughly 19% had um, a BPD diagnosis. So, okay, I'll give him that one.
1: Now, is there a difference between borderline and BPD? No. Because, again, the quiz results, I was going through the quiz quickly, and I got this question wrong, and it really annoyed me. In America, 20% of psychiatric hospitalizations are because of, and the options were BPD, DID, and borderline. And so, so I chose BPD, and I got that wrong because he wanted the answer to be borderline. But they're the same.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's not even like he spelled out borderline personality disorder in option three.
1: Very annoyed here. I'm going to share my- you
0: two qu- imperfect answers.
1: Sharing my quiz results with you. Look at that. I got that wrong.
0: Oh my goodness. Bob, not okay. What you doing? You should ask for like some sort of extra sash when you graduate for having gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> falsely wronged you know when i took the act which is like the sat but for schools on the east coast or at least was when i took it i got my score back and then got another score like a week later where they said uh after a few complaints we realized you got one more question right in the science section <laughs> I was not one of the complaints. Oh, okay. Um, right. Yeah. Just like other people had complained and they had gone through and like decided, oh, there's a second right answer to this one.
1: We've adjusted the curve.
0: Yeah. Oh, bought hey. my whole score, the total score up by like quite a bit. Wow. And so I had this amazing ACT score as a result. So thank you, complainers, wherever you are. Yeah,
1: you benefited from the class action.
0: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, this is like that. I don't know how I got there.
1: So Bob describes BPD as involving erratic moods, deprecating self-image, manipulative behavior. Uh, All of those things can cause instability in family dynamics. He says that a borderline person doesn't have the ability to emotionally regulate themselves Mm -hmm. and that they're on the borderline, hence the name of between kind of reality and psychosis. That's how he summarized it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, he's using like very totalist language here. People with borderline, you know, struggle with their emotions and containing them and self-soothing and things like that. But he makes it sound like they're just totally incapable, which
1: oh, good point. Um,
0: I think is a little irresponsible of him. Yeah. And also those are skills that you can grow. Like some people just sort of come to them a little more naturally and then other people need help like learning those skills. I never like when people talk about personality disorders in this very sort of... Um, Black and white, like oh, you know, oh that that person over there has borderline. It's like okay, <laughs> like mm. so that person needs help in a very specific way that they can get. You know, like yeah, I don't know. This had that tinge of like you know permanently flawed
1: kind right. of right uh, rhetoric. Y- You've said this uh, in the past in a way that was really insightful to me that, you know, our bodies can have problems in in any which area, you know, bodies are difficult and complicated and, you know, you can have problems with your elbows or your heart or your lungs or whatever, and nobody really bats an eye. But as soon as, you know, you have a a problem with your brain, uh, which is Mm -hmm. just another part of your body, people really, really stigmatize that rather Mm -hmm. than just treating it as like, oh, this is my brain. My brain's doing something weird. And, you know, let me get some Mm -hmm. help with that.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: So I I like that way of thinking about it. Um, it, It's not like you say, it's not it's not a ding on you as a person. It's not uh, the be all end all of who you are.
0: Right, right. Or, uh, like a, or a thing to give up on because you have it. You know, mm-hmm. like you break a leg, you go and you get help, and hopefully the leg gets better, you have borderline, all right. Right. Like that's something you're going to struggle with, but there are good treatments.
1: And there's nothing wrong with getting help. In fact, there's something really good about getting help.
0: Yeah, very responsible. That's a good way to love others, is to take care of yourself. Yeah. Anyway, what should you do if... Someone has borderline personality disorder. Now, I would think that you would turn them to the single most effective behavior therapy. I think we have for borderline personality disorder, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. Okay. Incredibly high success rate, I very think- good at t- teaching people how to regulate their emotions. That seems like the right thing to do. I don't um, remember what Bob, Bob say saying we that we should do.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> you know, wasn't don't think that. He did.
0: What did he say we should do?
1: Uh, He implicates Jezebel here. Yeah, what does he say to do about it?
0: Um, Well, I'll give you a hint. There's a certain book you should read.
1: Uh, Is it the Bible?
0: It's the Bible.
1: Oh, of course.
0: Truth and the word of God are the best remedy Uh, for borderline personality disorder. Okay. Another thing you can do is get the person to make confessional statements to you. Tell you all the sinful things they've done while in the throes of not being able to control their emotions. Did they um, have trouble with inhibiting purchases or taking drugs or having sex they wouldn't ordinarily want to have?
1: This is what Bob's in it for. He wants you to tell him all these stories. Yeah.
0: Yep, yep. It's like the old caricature of the priest who sits in confession and just, like, wants everybody to tell them his sex stories.
1: Right, right. Because, like, I'm not allowed to, so I want to live vicariously through your... um vice's. Right. Vicariously? Okay. Yeah, and he says that, you know, maybe you need to explore the possibility of childhood abandonment. Maybe have them relive or replay the scenarios for you. Fun. He does recommend getting people to a pastor so that they have someone that they're accountable <laughs> to.
0: Not that that's not very nice, it is, but like not the first person I'd think of that would be helpful in right, this situation. Right,
1: someone whose training is not at all relevant, um, unless yeah. they just happen to have some additional training <laughs> to being a pastor. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah, he even mentioned that he has met a demon whose particular assignment was to affect BPD. And I just thought, oh. how did that conversation go down?
0: Yeah, what's his name?
1: <laughs> well, it's probably Borderline.
0: Oh, so maybe that's why you got that question wrong. Maybe Borderline was the name of the demon.
1: Ah, whatever, Bob. <laughs> whatever.
0: <laughs> okay, so... In conclusion, he says, it's tricky to navigate between demons, dissociative states, and the particular mental condition. Sure is, Bob, and you have given me no tools at all to differentiate between the three.
1: That's weird. It sounded to me like he was far more confident that he'd given you good advice at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it?
1: He said, the payoff is worth it. He said, through inner healing, you can help the person visit and heal the pain of the past. You can give the demons no place to hide. Was that? That not the impression you were getting, Carrie?
0: Um, no, that's the impression I was getting. That's oh, okay. yeah, That's I <laughs> think that's uh, uh, what he what he believes. Oh,
1: you're just giving us the Carrie take on this. I see, I see. Uh, he gives us a five point list of things to emphasize when dealing with mental health issues. Okay,
0: okay, oh great, oh five strong tips. This is going to be very clear. Got it. Okay, okay. I'm ready.
1: One, hold the client okay. accountable to the truth, the word of God, Scripture. What God says, not what they feel. Yeah.
0: Okay. To the truth. Okay. What that means, but okay.
1: Number two. Before you have time to think about what that means, number two. Okay. Insist that the clients submit to your perception of reality, not theirs.
0: Well, that seems too.
1: Yeah. Oh, this one sounded like super, I don't even know what to call this. This
0: High control?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is bad. Like he says that you need to get them to agree in the session that they are going to be subordinate to your understanding of reality. And then if you, (laughs) you disagree that they're going to agree that you're right and they're wrong. Yeah. Carrie's Mm -mm. scrunching up her face. I don't like
0: it, I don't like it, I don't like it.
1: Yeah, and it's like this demon guy who believes in demons. I mean, that's, no, not good. Uh, That's number two. Okay, number number three, the support of family members is important for follow-through with healing and deliverance. Okay, So far, that sounds like the best, support of family. Yeah. Number four. Except
0: they are taking you to Bob Larson.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, or maybe you found them on your own, but... uh, Uh, Number four, consistency in Bible reading and other spiritual disciplines. Got to read those Psalms. He was saying, and you can listen to it on audio or you could read it to them. Uh, They should be going to church. All right. Uh, Number five, (laughs) continue any crucial therapy or medication that may help stabilize their thought patterns. Okay, good. So I
0: can
1: can get behind numbers three and five.
0: Yeah. Again, could be a lot more specific. Two
1: Um, out of five ain't bad.
0: but yeah, at least at least he's not telling his students to tell their clients all those therapies are nonsense or something like that, which I could definitely see Bob doing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a few points for that.
1: But he tells us, you know, this is just the culture we live in. You're going to encounter these issues and a demonic activity is going to increase because we live in the end times. We're seeing the moral decline of society. Yeah. That's Bob's worldview.
0: Yeah, and we're going to see more and more of these mental illnesses as well, which will, again, just be sort of a sign of the times. So more demons, more mental illness.
1: Yeah, and the mental illness can provide cover for the demons. So, you know, you got to get in there and smoke them out, Bob says.
0: And good luck doing so because we've given you no
1: tools. One thing that he says that sounds uh, superficially responsible is he says, get the cooperation of the person. That is critical. Okay, sounds good. I wish they were cooperating with someone who knew what they were talking about.
0: Sure. And I mean, what's the opposite of this? Like... Force someone into an exorcism. Yeah, don't do that.
1: Well, geez, like when you're telling them to subordinate their their sense of reality to your sense of reality, oh my goodness.
0: Bob reminds me of a theater professor I had in college who just keeps talking. He's just got so many thoughts and he doesn't notice how point A contradicts point K, but he was just sort of thinking out loud <laughs> and didn't realize he was actually sort of disproving himself because he never really put a fine point on point A before he thought of point B and realized, oh, that sounds pretty smart. Maybe I'll say that too. But now that I'm thinking about it, there's point D and eventually we got to talk about point M. And, <laughs> you know, you never actually get something specific, don't you think?
1: That sounds maddening. Um, I, You know, I feel like... Yeah, I would say that Bob has more structure to his presentation
0: than that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true.
1: But but certainly the internal consistency alarm bells are ringing with Bob. Yeah. Despite you know him, I think I think he thinks he's paying a lot of attention to those inconsistencies, and sometimes he'll resolve them. But you and I, you and I are pretty good at sniffing out the others.
0: Yeah, we yeah. can smoke them out.
1: Well. Uh, Thank you for uh, walking through with us these three courses within the third level. And next time, next time, (laughs) we'll actually be able to finish up the exorcist level of the International School of Exorcism.
0: Yay! That'll love four courses in
1: it. Ooh, four-course meal. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and to anybody who, you know, I'm sure plenty of our listeners deal with varying issues of mental health or have people in your lives that are, and you already know this, but of course, we here at Ono, Ross, and Carrie advocate for getting professional help and, and using medications and working with your professional therapist to find the right medications for you. And oftentimes, that's a process of discovery. It takes a while.
0: One thing that we occasionally hear from people is how do i find a therapist who i know is using evidence-based techniques Mm. which Mm -hmm. is kind of tricky the best advice i've ever read was to call your local university Ah. and talk to someone in the psychology department and say you know who do you know around my area who does i just want to do some cognitive behavioral therapy if you're dealing with like Anxiety or depression, for example. Mm, yeah. yeah. And, and see tip. who they would recommend. I, yeah, I think that's so smart.
1: I like that. Well, yeah. that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton.
0: Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support this and all our investigations. Send us off to do more weird schools at MaximumFun.org forward slash join.
1: Oh, yes, please do. And thank you. We really appreciate everybody who makes this show possible. So thank you for supporting us. It really makes the show possible. Like, really.
0: Except you, Dale. Dale, come on. Get on it.
1: Yeah, Dale, freeloader. <laughs> <laughs> There's some Dale out there who's like, I subscribe. How dare you?
0: <laughs> how dare you? No,
1: we appreciate you, Dale. You're awesome. And you can also support us by telling a friend, uh, posting on social media, leaving us a positive review. That really does help because that's how other people find the show. Uh, they see like, oh, this is highly reviewed and rated. People seem to like this. I'm going to listen to Ono, Ross, and Carrie.
0: Yeah. You know how the internet works. Oh, and you can follow us on social media, by the way. We have Twitter. Ooh, Twitter. Our account is Podcast. And we have Facebook, facebook.com forward slash on and R I C. Yeah,
1: I finally finished reading Mindfuck about the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Oh, man.
0: Compelling, right? Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's really bad.
1: Maybe Bob's it's right about really the world. Bad. Maybe it's all falling apart. This is also today as we're recording this, this is the day that Trump just got acquitted a second yeah. time in oh. his second impeachment.
0: Very neat. Very neat, very good. Very
1: Gah, what a horrible note to
3: end on. And remember... A lady named Lisa in Florida asks a rather complicated question. I have known individuals with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. How can one be reasonably certain whether visual and or auditory hallucinations are the result of mental illness or demonic possession? Lisa... Let me come back at that question by raising some additional questions that I think will be helpful for you to have an understanding of this matter. And let me please point out, our International School of Exorcism, in the furthest advanced level, has several courses dealing with all the forms of mental illness and distinguishing between them and demonic activity. So here are my questions. Does this individual process other kinds of information apart from these hallucinations in a rational and a cogent way so that you can logically communicate with them outside of these other states? Are the communications that come from the voices or the hallucinations of a religious nature? Is there a destructive or evil intent to what they are saying? Does this individual obsess about spiritual issues in relationship to what they are seeing or hearing in these states? Or is the information basically random? Does this person have bloodline connections to ancestors who were involved in the occult that would give a hint something demonic is going on? Has the individual been neurologically tested? Have hormonal studies been done? Have any blood tests been taken? to determine whether or not something else is happening here from a medical standpoint. When the voices come forth, is it in a kind of manifestation? Does the information or the communication appear to be demonic and completely separate from what you know the identity of that person to be? I hope these questions will help you to understand the difference between something which is demonic and that which isn't demonic. Once again, I refer you to our international school of exorcism, which is the most complete source of information available on information of this kind. By taking a look at those questions and the answers, I think you'll be able to have some guidelines as to determining whether or not this individual is under demonic control all the time, or some of the time, or periodically, or whether The issue is primarily one of mental health.
2: I'm Judge John Hodgman. And I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Ten years ago, I came on Jordan Jesse Go and judged my first dispute. Is chili a soup? It's a stew, obviously. The judge has dispensed a decade of justice. He's the one person wise enough to answer the really important questions. Like, should you hire a mime to perform at your own funeral? After they cry, I want them to laugh. Do you really need a tank full of jellyfish in your den?
0: They smell like living creatures decaying.
2: (laughs) Only if they are decaying.
0: Yeah, which they will be.
2: Real people, real justice, real comedy. Winner of the Webby Award for Best Comedy Podcast. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. Hey, it's Jesse. What you're about to hear is real. Hey, this is Chris. Hi, Chris. It's Jesse calling for Maximum Fun. Hey, Jesse. I heard that you got into a car accident. Yeah, I was listening to Stop Podcasting Yourself, and I just laughed so hard that I uh, slammed into a construction barrier. (laughs) do you remember what it was that was so funny i will never forget i'm sure they started talking about vegas and the you know if it happens here it stays here and that slogan and graham was talking about oh you know wasn't there some other slogan for another commercial It was like a commercial for food and it said like whatever's in there stays in there i can't remember what it was clams or something (laughs) (laughs) just so ridiculous and man i got lightheaded i was laughing so hard next thing i know (laughs) they are they are just brilliantly funny so i talked to dave and graham from stop podcasting yourself we would like to pay your car repair bill is that okay that i mean that would be super nice jesse i really I, i thank you i appreciate that